do is I wanted to lay a foundation for the next season that we're going into. And we're believing that as a church that we are going into a season where there is more stretch. We're going into a season where there's more growth, where God is calling us to, um, to seek love and build in, um, on a bigger level and on a greater scale. And that's not a scary thing. Those are actually awesome things. So our mission as a church is to see people seek God. We want to um, love people and build community. And that's how we outwork that is how we do church. So, but what I wanted to talk to us about is untamed culture. Because I believe that culture is what helps us to lay a foundation for the season that God is setting us up for. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be going over a series called The Big Series. Um, it's going to be looking at um, three things, nice and easy. Big, so belong, invest, and grow. And Ray and I are going to be sharing those together. So what I'm going to be doing today is just laying a bit of a foundation for that. So just talking a little bit about culture. Culture is a bit of a fun thing because sometimes we can think of culture as ethnicity. This is our the culture of the place that I'm from, the, the country that I'm from, the religion that I'm from. Um, and the dictionary actually defines culture as the ideas, customs, and social behavior of a particular people or society. Now, it's not actually related to just, or limited to just a society. You know, your family can have a culture, your workplace can have a culture, your, um, if you're at you know, university or anything like that, your classroom can have a, a culture. So wherever you find yourself meeting with other people, there's a bit of a culture that prevails there. And a culture can be a positive or a negative thing. Now, as a nation in New Zealand, we're actually known to have a culture of binge drinking and domestic violence, um, of tall poppy syndrome, where you know, we want to tear people down. We don't want people being more successful than us, so we need to kind of tear them down. We're also known as being innovative, you know, number eight wire, salt of the earth kind of people. We're easygoing, up for anything, bit of adventurous. You know, those are two sides of our culture that, we're, that we are quite well known for. As Christians, however, we are called to be in the world, not of the world. And so we are called to live to a different culture that we may find ourselves in. We're called to live countercultural. We're to live in kingdom culture. And when we talk about kingdom culture, we're talking about the culture of the kingdom of heaven. Because we are actually just passing through this world. We're actually children of the Most High God. So this is not our home. This is, this is our spirit having a body experience on earth. But actually heaven is our home. And, um, and so we're just called to be here for a time and to bring the culture of heaven into this place. It says in Romans 12, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Readily, recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. And unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. We are called to take our everyday, ordinary life and not have it shaped by the culture around us, but have it shaped by the culture of the kingdom. Because that is actually what we, we carry. We carry the culture of the kingdom within us. You know, we can actually go into 
places and change the atmosphere, change the culture of those places that we find ourselves in. And you might hear it often said, you know, be a, be a thermostat, not a thermometer. When you go into a place, don't take the temperature of the, the place that you're in, but actually you know, set the temperature. Create that atmosphere. Have you ever been to the supermarket and the uh, checkout chick is having a really bad day? And you really, you know about it? Just kind of, you feel it? You know, we can either go, oh, oh, this is awkward. Or we can actually take that on board. Or we can actually try and change that atmosphere with kindness, with love, with grace, with patience. Because believe me, I've been a checkout chick. And you, your patience get te- gets tested. And, and sometimes you just, you know, if it's Christmas Eve and the trolleys are backed up three times around the supermarket, which used to happen in Tiana, it was not that fun. You know, you get a little bit stressed and that kind of comes down a wee bit. So any time that people would show you grace and kindness and nice words rather than snapping at you, it's like a welcome relief. It's so important. You know, you, go, you know what it's like when you go into a place and you can just... Feel the tension in the room. There's been a bit of a bit of an argument or a uh, robust discussion going on before you get there. You kind of pick that up. We can actually take that and choose to either go, oh, oh, this is a bit gross, or we can just, you know, serve up a culture of the kingdom, grace, hope, love, peace in that place. Because we actually carry a culture of the kingdom within us, and so we can take that with us wherever we go. So as a church, we have we have some great culture things. We have an incredible culture of generosity. You know, for our wee church, um, I'm just continuously blown away at the generosity of our people. You guys are just flipping amazing. You know, we see this outworked in a number of ways, through um, people's giving on a regular basis, through people's willingness to serve. So, you know, come in on early on a, on a Sunday morning and pack in chairs when it's minus two degrees outside, to helping pack up afterwards, to... Um, you know, going, hey, I'll, I'll put my hand up and run a connect group, or hey, I'll help with morning tea, or hey, I'll help with the door, or hey, I'll pray for that person. You know, those are incredible, being generous with your time. We see people being generous with their homes and opening up their homes to host people, just to, you know, um, to provide a meal to people who have been unwell, or, you know, when there's a new baby, or, um, you know, just, just be available for a chat. And to pray with people, you know, all those things. We see, we see you guys doing that all the time, and it's amazing. And it's actually just, it's just such an incredible sense of generosity, and um, it's amazing. Um, in a culture where it's all about, you know, what's mine is mine, and don't touch it, that's mine, and and trying to hold everything to ourselves, unconditional acts of generosity like that are actually countercultural. To serve without an expectation of I'm going to get paid or I'm going to get thanked or I'm going to get... Sorry, I'm always going to thank you. But, you know, without that expectation of I'm going to do this because you're going to give something back to me. That's countercultural. The world doesn't operate like that. Have you ever noticed? You know, oh, I want to do this, but then they expect... I want to ask this person to do that, but then they're going to expect this from me. You know, it's unusual to see um, unconditional acts of generosity. But that's what God did for us. He has done immeasurable, um, unconditional acts of generosity for us. Killing his son on the cross. So that we are made clean. So that we do not have to bear the price for our sin, for our shortfalls, for our shortcomings. 
know, how incredibly generous is that? Like, it's so hard to even describe. That's not what we're used to. And we're believing that um, as a church that God is bringing us into a new season and we're wanting to position ourselves as a church and as believers for what he has in store. So what we're going to be doing is you're going to probably notice that our language is going to change. We're going to become a lot more intentional about our culture as a church. Um, and that's exciting because we wanted to step into what it is that he has for us. You may have noticed we've kind of operated quite organically the past couple of years, which is great because that's kind of the way that Ray and I roll. Um, and because we wanted to um, just create a foundation of relationship, create a foundation of, you know, we're all in this together. And, um, and it's been cool. But to step into the next season that God has for us, we need to ensure that we're intentionally laying a foundation for growth, to equip and empower people, um, and to outwork our mission to seek God, love people, and build community. It's not a negative thing. It's not like what we've been doing the past few years has been wrong or anything like that. But in order to step into the next season, we have to take, um, we have to be more intentional at a deeper level. And so I'm excited. So you might notice some changes around that. You might notice some changes around our language. You might notice some changes the way we do things. You know, um, connect groups starting in a couple of weeks. That's an intentional decision. But then also with that, to have us all doing the same material, we're all going to be doing the, um, the, the study of the core, looking at the core of God in life. So right across all the connect groups are going to be doing that. And that's an intentional thing as well because we want to get everyone on the same page. We want to build a foundation together as a church so we're all going in the same direction, the same way together. You know, we've been talking a wee bit about being together, together, together in one place, and together in one spirit, together in one heart. And so that's what we're wanting to do. And so we're being intentional about, um, about that. Now, there's a couple of things that come to culture, that comes to culture. I just want to share about those for a wee bit. And you can apply these to your home, to your family, you know, to your workplace, to your... To your um, your school, any place that you find yourself, you know, um, you can apply these things. So the first thing is culture is not a destination that you arrive at, but it's a journey that's outworked continuously. It's not a matter of one and done when it comes to culture, okay? But it's something that needs to be constantly worked on. You know, when our children were little, I remember, you know, when the kids are little, they're like 12 and nearly 15 now. Um, we wanted to teach them to tie their shoes. You know, it's a really good life skill to have, tying their shoes. And if they can tie their shoes, then I don't have to tie their shoes. And I quite like that. Also means their shoes stay on their, on their feet. We don't lose them. It's quite handy. So, but it wasn't just a matter of like, okay, right, I'm going to demonstrate to you how to tie your shoe. You take the shoelace and the other side of the shoelace and you create a loop and take the bunny around the tree and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't a matter of just showing them that works. And then, amazingly, they just know how to tie their shoes and they can do it whenever and wherever. But it was a process of showing them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And now I'm going to say they're 12 and 14, so they actually know how to tie their shoes now. But it wasn't, you know, just like, just like that. It would be nice, but like toilet training, you know, like if it was just like that, it'd be great. But it's not, how, it's not how things work. We have to learn them. We have to um, take it on board. We have to have it become part of us. 
So it was a process, you know, we showed them over, we helped them, we encouraged them with it when they were struggling, and then we would celebrate with them when they finally got it. Because, you know, time issues, when you're a little kid, that's a big deal. You know, so we wanted to celebrate with them. And that was the process that we continued any time that we showed the kids something new. Now they moved on from shoe tying, now they're looking at cooking and not burning down my house, and that's an awesome thing. You know, so every time we teach them something new, we go through that process, we show them, we do it alongside them, we do it with them, we encourage them. It's a bit like, culture is something, it's taught, but it's also caught. And sometimes you find it, sometimes um, you teach it, you teach it, you teach it, and then you catch it. Oh, I understand the why, I understand what we're doing. I understand what, how now. Secondly, culture trumps vision. Okay, so it's actually said, there's a saying that culture eats vision for breakfast. And so in other words, regardless of what the vision is, um, if the culture of an organisation, a business, a church, a people group, a home, is not in line with the vision, then that culture is going to win out every time because it's inherent behaviour. It's the accepted norm. So you can have a um, you can have a vision for your family to be like super close, like your kids are best friends. They come to you for everything. You share everything. You're really open, and you know, as you go through adult life, as your children become adults and stuff, they're going to come to you. They're they're going to be each other's best friends. It's going to be awesome. You know, picture, you know, lots of deep and meaningful conversations around the dinner table and, and all that kind of stuff. But if the culture of your family is to actually spend time at the dinner table on devices, on the phone, checking the email, answering the phone, um, in the middle of conversation, if it's to um, be always, you know, be reading a book at the table or um, Talking to, not talking to each other, or being too afraid to actually open up to one another because you don't know what kind of reaction you're going to get, then that culture isn't going to help you achieve that vision that you have for your family. You know, it's not going to help you line up. And I've been watching these things on YouTube about the power of making your bed. Has anyone seen these things? Like, they reckon that making your bed is such a small action, but that actually has huge implications. And when you make your bed, First thing in the morning when you get up, you're going to be more productive because this is your place of rest. And so it means that um, you really cheat something first thing in the morning. But when you come, come to bed that night, no matter what your day has been like, your place of rest is a place of rest. It's not a place of chaos. It's not a place of mess. It's not a place of, oh, I've got to do this before I actually go to sleep. And that habit creates... Um, then transforms into creating a culture of being productive, of being successful, of actually um, working towards the vision and goals that you have. Such a simple thing. You know, so we actually have to make sure that if we've got somewhere that we're wanting to go, that we need to um, make sure that we're putting things in place to help get us there. Because we might think, um, if we are wanting to grow church and have new people in if we're not welcoming of new people, if we just kind of sit in our own place, and we don't do this, all right? This is not like a telling off or anything like that. But if, you know, if we were just to sit in our own space and not talk to new people, not, not make them feel welcome, then we're never going to grow church because they're going to come in that door and they're going to walk out. Because while the vision may be to grow and to um, you know, build community and to see people come to know God, but if as a culture, as a church, we don't have a culture of welcoming new people in, then we'll never achieve that. Make sense? 
And then the other thing with culture is what you tolerate, you create. Or what you permit, you give permission. So in order to cultivate culture, we need to be intentional. Otherwise, whatever is your default becomes your culture. So a few years back, um, well, it actually comes around in seasons a lot, but there's a culture um, of the burn. And some of you guys might know about what this is. But there was a culture to kind of burn your friends. And it's not like by the Marine or anything like that, but it's more like using side comments to make people laugh at the person's expense. Okay? And you often hear them go, burn! And they all think they're cool. Um, but it isn't really uplifting or encouraging or anything like that, um, especially for that person being burned. And um, we, Ray and I, um, were youth and young adults pastors at the time, and we made the decision consciously that in any youth and young adults ministry, we wanted to kill the burns. Decided it's actually not, we don't want it to be part of our culture. Um, so we had to be really intentional about making sure that conversations and joking around were uplifting and not pulling people down. We wanted to make sure that that wasn't part of who we were. You could still joke around and have fun, but we never wanted people to have that, be from that position where they were laughed at, that they were the butt of the joke and they were made to feel small because that's not who we wanted to be. And so we had to make sure that within our youth and young adults ministry, that culture, the burn, didn't, didn't happen. You know, so we would be really intentional about it, um, about how our conversations, we talked about it with our leaders. Hey guys, we're gonna kill the burn. It's really not cool. So we have to check, we have to check each other that we're not doing this. Because often the closer you are to someone, the more friends you are with someone, it's easier to burn your friends. Because it's, oh, it's, it's how we joke around, it's we're, we're close, this is how we show that we're close, we burn each other. Not cool. So we would, would do this and we'd go for quite a while without the burn and be really positive and we'd find that eventually the burn would make its way back into circulation. So we'd need to make a conscious effort to create a culture that the burn had no place in. If we, um, yeah, so the cool thing was that new people coming into youth and young adults, they also caught on to the culture. They caught on that the burn was just not something that we did. They didn't, we didn't need to have a sit down conversation with them now. We don't do the burn here because we just don't think it's appropriate. We didn't need to do that because it kind of self-monitored and people just picked up on it. That wasn't the culture. And they, they caught it. Um, you know, eventually make their way back into circulation would make their conscious effort to, um, to, to kill it again. But if we let, allowed that burn to stick around, it sent them the message that was an okay part of their culture. And that's not how we wanted to be. So sometimes we can find that not so good elements or habits or behaviours hang around. And if we allow them to occur, just let it be or you know, whatever, it just becomes accepted practice and it embeds itself in part of our culture. So that's why it's important that we're intentional and we're constantly talking about culture, constantly outworking it and modelling it to one another. So what is the, the culture of Church Untamed? Um, that's a great question. Um, and it's something that had been developed um, over the short time that we've been, that we've been operating. Um, you may not actually realise it, but we're actually quite intentional about the things that we do. Um, you know, we've been quite organic and, and kind of chilled, but we're very intentional. So we have a parents area so that our parents can actually feel that they can be part of the church. They're not having to you know, hide away. The kids can play this space for them because we want to make them feel welcome. That's, you know, that's a really important thing that we've done. 
um, intentionally. And we're trying to make it fun and pretty and, and comfy and all that. And that's why we put the heater there this morning, because it's colder. So we put the heater so that our parents can be a wee bit warmer. You know, we, we do platters for morning tea because we want to create a connection space. We want people to linger and chat around food. And food is something that breaks down barriers because you can at least go, oh, the food's really good today, or oh, what was that? That was disgusting, you know? Um, so we can sit there and have those, we can have those conversations with one another. We do, we do tracks for worship because we want to provide lift. We want to create an atmosphere where people can encounter God. We have lights because, not because we're trying to be a cool city church, but because we actually want to help facilitate people encountering God and to remove distractions. So by having that a little bit darker, a little bit moody, it just kind of helps people take the focus on who's standing next to them, what kids are running around, what are they wearing, what, who's doing what, and they can just focus on God. So we do those things intentionally. So we've got six foundations or heartbeats that we have here that help us to lay a foundation for the culture that we have and the culture that we're developing here at church. So I'm going to go through them very briefly because it's probably been a wee while since we've gone through what our heartbeats are. Can anyone name them? No, that's insane. There are times I'm like... Last night I said to Ray, we've only got five. Why don't we have six? What's the sixth one? But I'm like, oh, I need to work on that. So our first heartbeat is living authentic. We want to, we have a heart as a church to see people stepping out into their identity and into the calling that God has for them. Not a paint by numbers, but custom made, authentic and real. Now Ephesians 1.11 says, it's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He has um, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. So everything we do, we want it to be authentic. Now that's a foundation for the culture that we have and that we're creating. And next heartbeat is we want to see people live brave. We believe that failure is never, should never be fatal. And we've got a heart to see people step out and take risks. We want to see them um, boldly stepping into the fullness that God has for them and to live life brave. We don't want to see people that are confined by fear and too afraid to... Um, to, to step out and try something new. I love listening to Brene Brown on um, Netflix. If you've read, seen her Netflix special or reading her books and stuff, she's amazing. And she talks about um, risk, you know, like people um, and about vulnerability. And, and there's something powerful that happens that when you, when you take risk, you will fail. But it's okay. You just need to get back up, dust yourself on and keep going. Dust yourself up and keep going. And that's what we all want to see people do. We want to create a culture where it's okay for people to take risks. And Joshua 1.9 says, This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We do not have to be afraid. We can be brave because the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. Whatever situation or circumstances we find ourselves in, he is there. Next one is live free. We want to see people growing in freedom in Christ. It says in the word that who the sun sets free is free indeed. You know, we, there's a freedom that comes from knowing Christ. And we want to see people living in that freedom. Galatians 5, 13 to 14 says it's absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. 
For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as yourself. That's a true act of freedom. Next one. Many people will know this one, but we want to see people live connected. You know, we believe that God is a God of connection. He doesn't want you to live your life in isolation, but connected to Him, to church, to the wider community, to one another, to family. You know, our heart is to see all people living connected, encouraged, inspired, and challenged, but most of all, to see all people experience the fullness of a life connected to God. First Thessalonians 5, 9 to 11 says, God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for salvation by our Master Jesus Christ. He died for us a death that triggered life. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this, so just keep on going. Two more to go. Live creative. Our God is a creative God. He spoke and the world was formed. And that same creative power is in each of us. We're all called to be creative. It's not just limited to a certain artistic view. Um, and not, definitely not contained to just a few mediums. And one of the things that I hear a lot from people is, oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm not arty. You know, creativity is not, related, is not limited to just the arts. You know, I love the way when you watch the little toddlers, they problem solve. You know, they can't reach maybe like, um, I watch my niece and nephew, they're two, two-year-old twins. And they, you know, they can't like reach each other's drink bottles on the on the table because my sister puts them out of reach so they don't whack each other with them. But they can find a solution to get the, the, the cookies and the top covered. And they'll take one thing and they'll place another item on top of it, and another item, and then they'll climb up from the from those chairs onto the bench and onto the fridge and then open the cupboard. Right? So these kids, they've they've come up with their own creative way to steal cookies. You know, so we all we all are creative. We think different, we see things differently, we process things differently, and we come up with ideas and inspiration. That's creative. Each of us have ideas, dreams, and passions that when God breathes on them, they become extraordinary. In Genesis 1 way, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke that there be light and there was light. God spoke, and there was the, the, um, and the sea and the, and the sky separated. God spoke. When we speak, our words actually have creative power because the same God that spoke life into the universe lives within us. So when we speak, our words have power. Live generous. Our God is a generous God, and he's blessed us, with, blessed us that we may be a blessing to those around us. Yeah, our, our heart is to see people living generous lives, giving freely of their time, their encouragement, their resources, so that we may be a blessing to those around us. In Luke 6, 38, it says, Give away your life, you'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And then what it says in the Word is that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and we want to see people living large lives. Not because we want to see people with um, full wallets and all that kind of stuff. It's actually not about possessions. It's about our heart and being available to be used by God. You know, our heart beats lay the foundations for us to create our untamed culture and for us to build upon. 
You know, we have a culture of serving. We have a culture of generosity. We have a culture of being outwards facing into the community. We have a culture of being welcoming to new people. We have a culture of worship and of being, of responding to the Holy Spirit. We have a culture of taking risks and of being brave in God. We have a culture of honour. And we have a culture of all in. Of being together, together. Now, some of these are a work in progress. Some of these, some of these um, uh, are cultures that we've been working on for a while and they're just, they're just natural for us. It's just part of us. We keep working on them. And some of them are ones that need more work. And that's okay. Because we're all on a journey. And our culture is not one and done. And our culture will change as we grow and change as well. But it's going to lay the foundation and the platform for what's to come. So I want to encourage you. I'm just going to leave you with a couple of questions. I'm going to get the worship team up. Um, probably about now. And I'll get hand over to Pastor Ray. But I want to leave you with a couple of questions. What culture am I building? In my home? In my workplace? In my church? What culture am I creating week in, week out? So what culture am I building in my home, my workplace, and in my church? And what culture am I creating week in, week out? Because each of us are a thermostat. And we get to set the culture. We get to set the atmosphere in our homes, in our workplaces, in our classrooms, in our church.